Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pit Mailbag here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. No Noah Hiles this week. We'll get into where Noah Hiles is in a bit here. But remember, you can always find this show and all of our shows from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on all your favorite podcasting apps by searching for Post-Gazette Sports and searching for the North Shore Drive podcast. Remember, we have a Daily content coming out from our podcast from here and on YouTube. By the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily episodes, as well as our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast, where I talk all things Pittsburgh sports with all of our Pittsburgh sports writers. But let's focus on Pitt for today, and it's going to be a fun episode. Just me, but... I think you guys are going to like some of the things we got to talk about today. And we got questions from all of you who were, who were mailing in. So let's get, let's get right to, it. we're going to start off with Lisa feathers who took to on Twitter to ask this question, Chris, give us the football breakout players on offense and defense. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two on each side and give you a why I'm giving you each of these players. So four players to talk about Lisa. I hope you're happy with this answer. Now leading with one name, that everyone's kind of excited to see perk up a little bit over the next couple of years. And that's Ryan bear on the offensive line. Now he's a red shirt freshman. He'll be he's slotted in at the tackle position. It's kind of where they're having him play. He's not going to start at the start of the season, but injuries happen to every team. There's rotate. There's rotations that need to happen. Guys at tackle will sometimes move to guard. Ask Mac and solve as he played all over Pitt's line over his years. I think what's going to happen is there's going to be injuries. At some point, Ryan Bear is going to need to put to start for Pitt's offensive line. And I think that he's the next guy who's going to be on that offensive line for multiple years and be a dominant force to usher in the new young era for Pitt's offensive line. Now, I, I say this because a lot of Pitt's offensive line been here for a long time. Ryan Ryan Jacoby, well, he's a transfer, but he's 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 a senior. Jake Cradle, he's been here through COVID year and everything. He's got he's out of eligibility after this season. Matt Gonsalves is a red redshirt senior. Blake Zubovich, uh, a red redshirt senior. Even backups like Jason Collier Jr. is a redshirt senior. So they have a lot of guys who've had experience. But a breakout guy in this offensive line would change a lot. And there was a lot of excitement over Ryan Bear being able being able to join. Uh, Pitt when he, when he when he picked them because uh, just his uh, his raw athleticism I think a lot of people get excited about he was a four star kid uh, coming coming out of uh, East Lake Ohio on on rivals there's a I think there's a lot to to like about some of the the physical dominance that Pitt's been able to amass over the years and I think Ryan Bear is the start of the next generation when it comes to that for Pitt Panthers football uh, and, and something that happened when we had when we you know Noah and I were covering. Uh, last year's training camp and we were seeing practices every day and we kind of get used to seeing who wins and who loses and certain reps but when the ACC crew came to Pittsburgh and they were filming at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex and watching practices the entire ACC crew was like this team looks a lot more physical than most teams in the ACC and that's going to win them some key football games and lo and behold they won nine games last year so I think that Pitt is trying to keep that up, keep up their reputation. And I think Ryan Bear, uh, you know, this past year he came in, learned the ropes, but I think he's learned enough of the ropes that when he's going to be thrown into the mix, he's going to be physical, he's going to be ready. And I think Pitt, he's going to, he's going to earn a starting spot that makes him a starter for the foreseeable future for the Panthers. My other offensive guy who I'll talk about here is a person who I've mentioned a little bit on this show, but I'm going to mention again 
for our listeners and viewers. And that's freshman wide receiver, Israel Polk. Now, I say Israel Polk, kid from Cali, because I watched him practice in the spring. And man, let me tell you, that kid was already several steps ahead of where I expect true freshmen coming in with their route tree, with knowing how to get into and out of their breaks, and being able to beat defenders at different spots and different alignments. And if you're a really, really good route runner on top of a really, really good athlete, which I think Israel Polk is, it gives you a big leg up in a lot of situations. Now, I also thought he displayed some really strong hands, and that can be deceptive in practice because things change in the game. Even Jordan Edison, his freshman year, when he was adapting to things, he looked great in practice. It took him some adjustments. He did drop some passes his freshman year, but at the time, by the time he was a sophomore, he was so far ahead of everyone else that he was blowing people away. And I'm not here to say Israel Polk is going to be Jordan Addison, but I'm here to say that kid is talented. When, and when you watch the explosiveness from him and the footwork that he puts into, into just how he practices, there are promising things there. Now, the tricky thing at wide receiver is that that position's quite a bit stacked. You got Kanate Monfield and uh, Bub Means, who are already on the team, but then the went, team went and got Dejon Reynolds. So they've already got three guys who are going to be getting the majority of the pass reps. They also have a, a guy who's been on the team for a little bit now, Jake McConaughey, some, a person that I like, a person I think he can go up and get the football, and he's a guy I think that has worked really hard to get to where he is. You also have other young players on the team that are working like Izzy Polk to get that to, the, to that spot. Lamar Seymour would be on that. Addison Copeland would would, would be on that list. Uh, Chain Wabuko, who we'll actually get to in a minute here, would be on that list. Zion Fowler. There's guys that, that fit that mold, but I I tend to lean to Israel Polk as being a potential breakout player on offense. Why? Because of his, of his of his burst, because of his route running, and that could make him the key target for the for, for the Panthers' receiving core for the next few years. Let's flip the defense to finish up Lisa's question here. I know I'm on this topic for a bit, but hey, bear with me. This is what happens when you don't have Noah Noah Hiles to shut me up during a segment. Two defensive guys. I'm going to start one with one that I've talked about a lot on the show, and that's Nakai Johnson. Now, I could, I would say Deion Hayes, but because technically we haven't seen him break out and be this player that everyone's just agreeing is just going to be a first-round pick. But I think Deion Hayes, I think enough fans saw him a little bit last year and have been waiting for him to come up that he's kind of an obvious pick here. So I'm going to go with a not-so-obvious one. I'm going to pick Nakai Johnson because there's still people out there that think that Bam Brema might be the, the, the Panthers' uh, second starting edge rusher. And that could very well be true because I like Bam Brema. I think he's a tough player. He's 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 waited his turn. He's been there. He's worked worked the hard work. But Nakai Johnson, I think, is really special. He's a redshirt sophomore. And even Dayon Hayes, who's now the the kind of the, el- the elder of the of the group of defensive ends, he has said how Nikai Johnson is way ahead of where he was at his age. And when I've talked to Nikai, both, you know, in just scrums and just, you know, just hanging out, you know, watching a Steelers practice, picking his brain, just getting to see what kind of player he is and what kind of person he is. The young man thinks. The young man carries himself well. He thinks about his future in multiple ways. 
and he works hard and he buys into what Charlie Partridge is selling. And that to me is one of the biggest factors is if you are buying into what this coaching staff is preaching, even if you are a one-star recruit or a walk-on, you can find yourself being useful. But Nakai Johnson's much better than that. Nakai Johnson's a guy who I think is going to be one of those guys that gets talked about not this upcoming season. I think he's going to need about another year or two, maybe even two, before he's in that conversation as far as uh, being draft players. Just because I think that he, he's going to stick with Pitt a bit longer. But this is a four-star kid who came, came up in the area, played at West Mifflin, has the bill. He's 6'3", 220-plus, maybe like 230 now or something like that. And he's got a mean streak on the field, and he knows how to use it. And I'm telling you, Pitt fans, if you want a breakout player, this this, this defensive front needs new heroes with guys like uh, Kalijah Kansi and Hobble Cook Boldonado and Desmond Alexander, all that crew. They have they have gone. There's still defensive tackles like Devin Danielson and um, uh, uh, and David Green who are sticking around, and guys like DeAndre Jules and Tyler Bentley who have been depth players for quite some time. But while Pitt's waiting for Elliot Donald and Sean Fitzsimmons and Isaiah Neal and guys like that to work their way up and Sam Okunlola, Nakai Johnson, I think will be not just a bridge player, but the next dominant player of the defensive line that gets all the attention along with Deion Hayes and makes it tough for offensive lines to counter Pitt. My second guy here, Javon McIntyre at safety. I like I like his athleticism. I like how he plays into things. I've heard some really good things from uh, from just people who uh, who evaluate young players. And when I watch him on tape and when I watched him in the spring, I like Javon McIntyre. Pitt needs some new safeties to take over with both Eric Hallett and Brandon Hill gone to the NFL. I think they've got about four good ones, maybe even five. They could happily rotate throughout their secondary in McIntyre, PJ O'Brien, Donovan McMillan, Stephon Hall, and even Buddy Mack the third, who I think is a really good depth piece to have in your secondary. And I'm not even getting to the cornerbacks. I'm just talking about the safeties. I think those are all. I think that if I'm picking one guy to break out, the redshirt sophomore Javon McIntyre, watch out for him. Let's move on here and let's address a player that I mentioned briefly before with a question from Bill. Jane Wabuka, maybe the fastest on the team. Is there any sign that he sees the field this year? Bill, this is a good question. I like Chan Wabuko for his speed because he certainly is fast. He won track championships in Texas. He was known to be a speed phenom coming to Pitt last year. He's now a redshirt freshman. But I have a hard time seeing him get to see the field a lot as a wide receiver. Now, here's the thing. He was kind of known as an athlete and could bounce around a whole lot. The problem is Pitt is stacked up at running back and wide receiver with talent, I think, that will list ahead of him. Like, for example, I think that we talked about the top three guys, Dejon Reynolds, Bub Means, Kanate Mumfield. I think that you're going to talk, you're going to look at some of the freshman guys this year, Polk and uh, Seymour, as two guys that could be the first two options to come off Pitt's bench if they're in the receiving game. Chan Wabuko may be right after them, but I think he's more of a straight speedster than a football speedster uh, when it comes to route running and things like that. However, however, I do think he sees the field in one way, and that's as a way that I, I, I uh, what do you call it? I, I, I call upon Pitt 
to actually enact this plan. Because one thing that drove Noah and I crazy in the press box last year was when you see Izzy Abanaconda running for 5,000 yards on guys. And then he's taking the kickoff return. And you're like, give that kid some water and let someone else do that job. And this year, I, I think that Pitt needs to be act in a way or deploy their special teams in a way that does not force Rodney Hammond Jr. to have to be that guy. And they need to go with a guy who's a true speedster, who's a player, who's a playmaker with the football in his hand, and that's where you find Che and Wabuko. Get him on special teams where the ball's in his hands, and if, he, if you give him one scene, that Texas track speed comes into play. So answer your question, Bill. That's where I see Che Mbuko. Let's get to some funnier questions here. First, I'm going to address a question from a friend of ours, a friend of the show, and a friend in uh, the press box. And that's our man, Chris Peak from PantherLayer.com. He has a question. Where is Noah? It's a good question, Chris. Where is Noah? I was ready to have a full week of work and do my thing by doing the North Shore Drive podcast and, you know, helping on the pit beat while he was holding it down as, you know, we kind of have our balance in the off season. But then all of a sudden, Noah's just tweets out a picture of him on an airplane. Didn't tell nobody where he was going. And then he's just gone. So now poor old Chris has just got to man the pit mailbag all by himself. Times is tough, man, but not for real. Noah's out there partying. He deserves it. He's a hardworking individual. Uh, and uh, I was happy to hear that he was taking some vacation time so that I could get some time on the air by myself talking to y'all about some pit mailbag. But shout out to Chris Pete for getting in on the fun with some of the questions here. Uh, he's a great dude. Follow him on Twitter and his work. He's an awesome person to have out there uh, as we uh, in our pit, uh, what do you call it, media core that we have there. We have, I think we have a really strong uh, nucleus of guys and people who report on the pit on the pit beat. Let's get to some other questions here. And these are some funnier questions that we're going to get to in a minute here because we get serious questions, but it's, yeah, it's early July. I know some of y'all is just like, man, Chris, we don't got no really no questions till we start seeing people in training camp. So I feel you. So let's, let's, let's take some funnier questions we got here. I got Kevin who asked me, and this is a legitimate question. Which put pit football coaches would you want by your side in a bar fight? This is a good question. If I was, I'm gonna take two because I feel like you gotta have one on each shoulder, right? That's how like fights work. Like you walk, you walk up in the movie and you like you kick open a door and you're ready to scrap, and you see right behind you, you got one man on your right, one man on your left, and you're like, "Yo, what's up?" If I had to pick two guys right now. I'd take Charlie Partridge, Tyquan Underwood. Charlie, because Charlie's tough. And like nobody messes with Charlie. When that man speaks, it's the big, and I've seen the biggest dudes in the world be like, huh. They, they listen to Charlie Partridge. And I just think that in a scrap, Charlie Partridge would have my back. He'd be throwing down and he'd be getting everybody out of the way. And like, because he, he's Charlie Partridge isn't himself. He isn't huge. He's an average. He's an average sized individual. He's he's a well above average coach. I even say a great defensive line coach. And if you great at coaching defensive line, you have done some. You you've done some physical things in your life. You can handle some business. So I'm going with Charlie Partridge. The real I'm going with Tyquan Underwood because he's got a little bit of that length. 
And I can I think that he's got quickness in his hands. So if I need some guy who's faster, a guy who I got some length to keep people all off me and to kind of set the tone, I can have him. So I got my bruiser and I got my quickster who's got the long hands. And then you got me. So, you know what? That's a question for Noah when he comes back. Who would he take? Because I think that my me and my two would beat him and his two. Now, shout out. I, I do think Pat Narduzzi would be tough in a bar fight as well. I, the only two guys I'd say on on the on the pit, on the pit coaching staff who I don't think would be great in a bar fight just because their age is Coach Borbs and Coach Powell. Coach Powell, he just liked to fish. He ain't hurting nobody. And we we all kind of like, hey, Andre, what's up? That's kind of how it is with him. Now, Dave Borbley, he's also kind of up there. I think that Dave Borbley back in the day, he would, he would knock you on your butt. Now he's just the offensive line coach that kind of just keeps everybody in line. But Partridge and Underwood, I was the Corey Sanders, Archie Collins, those two as a pair might, they might, because they're around each other so much as secondary coaches, they could be, I think they might have some ninja tactics to them because they, they're around each other so much. Let me stop being silly over here. But fun question, Kevin. Thank you for that here on the pit mailbag. Let's get to Sean finishing up here with the pit mailbag. Sean's ramblings from Twitter. Ask when is Pitt going to build an on-campus football stadium? The ultimate Pitt question that we totally never get any other time in the history of the world. No one ever asked this question. This is so unique. Sean, you deserve a medal for, for being the first person in history to ask this question. I can't believe I never thought of this question in my life. When will Pitt get a football stadium on campus? And uh, here's the unique part. And now this is why I really like your question, Sean. Will there be an O stand in the new stadium? Now, addressing the overall premise here, for those who are not initiated to the situation, there is nowhere to put a pit football stadium in Oakland right now, let alone the city. It kind of works for, for Acrisure Stadium, slash if you still call it Heinz Field, get over yourself and call it Acrisure Stadium. But... It kind of works for now because they share the facility with the Steelers. I think it's still a, it's a cool looking venue. You can still see the city. I think that that's actually nice. Plus, let's just face it: when Pitt put the Pete up at the top of the hill instead of and, and took down T Pitt Stadium, it was kind of a, a thing to that. There's no place to put a, a football stadium right now, at least in my mind. And listen, I say this because not because they not because they physically couldn't tear down a whole bunch of buildings in Oakland and build a, a, a Pitt football stadium, but because there'd be no way to get to it. I've had to get into the Pete while we were waiting on a late night Pitt. Like it was like Pitt and some like Nichols State or something like that. And because Pitt volleyball was in the first round of the tournament and they were playing like a few hours before, it was a gridlocked for Oakland for hours. I got to the I got to the parking. I thought I'd get be, be smart getting to the parking lot three hours early for the game. No, I was wrong. Took me forever to park. And heck, it was funny because I started covering Pitt. In, 20, in the 2020 season, which was kind of odd for me because literally no one could go to games. It was COVID. And so when I started covering Pitt for a different outlet at the time, I was going to I was going to Pete and I was like, this is the life. I get the easiest parking spot. I get to walk down to the game. I mean, the games were as quiet as all get out, but it was still that was that was nice for getting in and getting out. But once Pitt started winning this year. I was like, oh, snap. So this is what the Pete's like? 
this is what parking's like. This is there was one time I was running late because I had just had recorded a podcast segment for for a game and I had to get to the Pete. And I was still about like an hour and a half before tip off. And I was because Noah was there. I was like, Noah, hold it down. He'll watch the warm-ups. I'll get there an hour and a half. I'll be fine. I get to Forbes Avenue an hour and a half before, and there are just cars just sitting on the hill, just not budging. And the thing was that I had seen this before by now, by how many times I've covered pit games. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. I parked in, I parked in lower Oakland, walked my butt up cardiac hill, sweated, did all of it. Was Breathing like crazy, had to pump, pull out the asthma pump, but I made it up there. And I say all this to say there's nowhere to put a stadium. They can barely handle a Fitzgerald Fieldhouse and a Peterson Events Center in Oakland right now. And you want a football stadium. It won't happen. Victory Heights will be very cool, though. I do think that'll be another thing that people will be able to manage. And maybe with Victory Heights, there'll be better parking situations. And when that happens, let's revisit this conversation. But for now, it ain't happening. Stop asking. Well, no, keep asking because I get to make fun of make make these jokes about uh it being an original question. However, Sean, your question was not completely devoid of importance, my friend, because you asked something that's essential. You asked, will there be an O stand in the new stadium? Now, for those who aren't familiar, the uninitiated, I know if you're a pit fan, you're listening to this, you know about the dirty O, the greatest hot dog, hot dog store in the in the history of the world. It's a shame when that when that place closed down. My family used to go to I that was that was a tradition of my family. When pit basketball was on like a Tuesday or a Thursday, and I was I was still in school, I'd come, I'd come, oh, I'd come over, I'd pick up some dogs i go to my dad's crib and we'd watch some pit hoops together and that was just a, a good old tradition in the in the carter family or sometimes when there wasn't pit basketball or something like that we'd still just get oh maybe like once once a week twice a month something like that and it was a good old time now sean this may sound crazy but if you put an original hot dog shop in the state. I don't care. Build that stadium right now. I will build a. St- I will personally try ra- start raising funds for a pit st- football stadium if it means we get the O back somehow. I should have worn my O shirt. I have one. I actually uh, the, the 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 owners were so nice because I would come there. They knew me and my dad, and they gave they gave me a T shirt before they closed. It's, it's just somewhere in my closet over there. But I'm serious when I say this, man. I miss the O so bad. Those fries were on some other levels. If you knew the O, and see, I have to admit, I didn't know the O the way that a lot of alumni know the O because I went to Pitt Law School in, I graduated in 2014. So from 2011, 2014, I was on campus and I got to, I, I and I already knew about the O because my family had gone there from when I was a kid. Uh, I think my uncle Ben started to work that worked there for a little bit when he was in like the seventies, when he was around. Um, and when I, when I was there, I got to experience like that, but I never saw like the late night. Oh, like when, you know, when, when all the bars were closing and the, O was the only thing open and people were packed into there that I never really experienced because I heard that that place was bumping. But man, I miss me some old fries. There was one time that I uh, went to Alderdice and we went on a class trip and we got to hear like a, a lecture at uh, at one of the pit academic buildings. 
and we got, I think we had like an hour to get lunch wherever we wanted in Oakland. And me and my boys was like, we go into the O and we got the, the extra large fries. And like the last few years, they didn't have extra large because they was just deemed too unhealthy. But it was just these fries that were stacked up at least a foot and a half tall, just packed in together. And, and about like six of us picked at it and we just had the greatest lunch of our lives. Just French fries. That's how you know we were high schoolers. But if Heather like, if you're listening, if you can get the O in a pit football stadium. I'm backing you. I'm donating. What 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 we got to do to make it happen? So shout out to Sean Ramblings for bringing up the O stand. We need the O back in Oakland, man. That would be that would be the life. We hope you enjoyed this unorthodox pit mailbag session here from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Uh, thanks thanks and shout out to Lisa, Bill, Kevin, Sean, and Chris Peak for joining in on the show and giving giving us some questions here to entertain you on a Tuesday. I'm your host, Chris Carter here. Noah will be back next week and we'll be able to have a more complete pit, mail, pit mailbag session, but I wanted to just have some fun while we could uh, during the offseason here. Thanks again for tuning in to the pit mailbag session from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Remember, find all of our content at post-gazette.com. Find this show, the Pit Mailbag Show, as well as all of our Pittsburgh Post-Gazette podcasts on all your favorite podcasting apps by searching for Post-Gazette Sports, or you can find us on YouTube by searching the same thing, looking up the North Shore Drive podcast, a show I do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with all our Pittsburgh sports writers as we talk about the hottest topics in the city, as well as shows like this every day throughout the week, whether it's covering Pitt, Penguins, Pirates, Steelers. We got Paul Zeiss. We got a lot of different things that come out here. Check us out. Subscribe to us. Get all of our great content. Again, I'm your host, Chris Carter, for the Pit for the Pit Mailbag. You'll see me again Wednesday talking more Pittsburgh sports on the North Shore Drive podcast coming out of the All-Star break and getting you ready for the end of the week. We'll see you there right here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description. Hey.